Um, for the next two um, Wednesday nights, since we're getting, or this Wednesday night, and I guess Tuesday night for next week. I got it right, Relin. Don't be, give me that look. I was, I was getting there. I was getting there. Give me time. Um, since, of course, this time of year, we, we're thinking about a lot of things, and I thought tonight we'd think about uh, our blessings, and then uh, next week on about being thankful, of course, since it's Thanksgiving week, and that's what's on our minds. But what I want to do tonight is take it from, uh, uh, I thought about going to, you know, the uh, Beatitudes, uh, all of those, but as I got to reading and studying, I want us to go to Psalms. I want us to look at Psalms chapter 1, verses 1 through 6, and then we'll, we'll talk about it. It says, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law he meditates day and night. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in its season, whose leaves also shall not wither, and whatever he does shall prosper. The ungodly are not so, but are like the chaff which the wind drives away. Therefore the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous, for the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. Now many times uh, the word blessed is, is understood as happy. And in many instances uh, you could say that. Uh, but I think it goes much further, especially here with the Psalms, goes much further than just being happy. Uh, because can I be blessed but not actually be happy all the time? Yeah, my emotion, I can be blessed through some suffering or some trials that I'm going through, as the Bible talks about, but I may not be happy about it. Um, so I, I think here the psalmist does go a little bit deeper than just uh, uh, being, generally speaking, about being happy. Uh, I think it goes more to the feeling of, of contentment, of peace, of an understanding of no matter, as, as the Bible says, no matter what we find ourselves in, what situation we in, we're in, we can understand that God's blessings are still something that uh, can, can be something that we can have and we can enjoy, uh, even in some of the tough times that we go through. Um, and as he talks about it here, if you go back to verse 1, notice at what he says. He, he starts off by saying to be blessed... There's some things that a blessed person doesn't do. And, and I like how he starts this out. He, you know, if we want to identify ourselves as being individuals that are blessed and enjoy God's blessings, then there's a certain lifestyle that we don't live, that we don't participate in. He said, blessed is the man uh, uh, who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. Now notice the progression here as he talks about it. He says, blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly. Now, one thing that, that struck me with this to start with is, why would anybody take counsel from an ungodly person? Or why should we? Should a Christian take counsel from a, a, an ungodly person? It would, yeah, it wouldn't be wise. What, what scenario would actually have to transpire for us to want to do that. And to me, I think there's an obvious thing. 
Yeah, we may want to do wrong too. We may see the right, uh, an ungodly person prospering. We, want, we may want some advice. How, how do you do that? What do you do? Well, what if they tell us there's some ways in which they did it that wasn't very righteous? Do we take that advice? Do, do we take the counsel of, okay, how, how do I live my life? Let me take the counsel of either uh, uh, fellow brothers and sisters in Christ, let me take the counsel of God, or let me take the counsel of the ungodly. Now, when we think about, notice he said, blessed is the man. So the opposite of that would be what? Would I be blessed if I take the counsel of the ungodly and live the way in which they do? Uh, take their advice? No. When we, when we think about counting their blessings and understand as, as children of God that we're blessed, I, I, I think he, he starts out here, as the psalmist says, how it's very important that we, uh, we don't look for that kind of lifestyle. But notice again how it progresses. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the path of sinners. Okay, when we start taking the counsel of the ungodly, what's the next natural process? We're going to walk in their footsteps. We're going to be where they're at. We're going to stand in the path that they're on. Do you remember what the Bible says that path is? Matthew 7, verse 13, remember? He says, Enter by the narrow gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leads to destruction. And there are many who go in by it. Who are these many that's on the wide path that goes through destruction? The ungodly? So see, if I start taking the counsel of the ungodly and start wanting to do the things in which they do, then I'm going to find myself in the very place that they're at. Um, it's almost like how James talks about how sin progresses, doesn't it? You know, it, it starts out from, from, from one way and then it progresses and when sin becomes full grown, it brings forth death. Here, it, the psalmist is telling us that, okay, here's how it's progressing. If you want to be blessed, here, here's, here's what you don't do. The first thing you don't do, you don't take the counsel of the ungodly. You don't take their advice, want to know how they're living, how they got there, envy that way, you know, be jealous of that way, covet their, that way. If you see them prospering or doing whatever it is they're doing, as Roger said, it may just be, I want to do what you do. You seem to be popular. You seem to be like you're, you're happy yourself. See, I think there's where the difference uh, is uh, uh, fundamentally between blessed and happy. Now, can they mean the same thing in, in instances? Yes. But I think an ungodly person at times can be happy, can't they? They can be happy in doing uh, 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 their own pleasures, their own desires, their own way of, of thinking, living their own way, and, and seemingly be happy. Even when the Bible says the way of the transgressor is hard. They may not understand that uh, uh, within themselves, they've deceived themselves to think that what they're doing is okay. Well, they may appear to be happy. Well, do I want to be blessed or I want to have that kind of happiness, that self-gratification happiness? It won't bring true happiness. It's that self-gratification. So the, the psalmist says here, if I want to be blessed, first thing I do is not to take the counsel of the ungodly. Then also... Realize that once I do that, I will find myself standing in the same place in which they are. Uh, but notice, as we go back, can you go back to verse 1? He says, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinner, notice, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. So you notice where the progression went from taking their counsel, standing where they are, now you've got to see the table with them. I was thinking about this when Titus was talking 
uh, Sunday night about the seat at the table. You know, the Bible refers to, uh, you know, we want that seat. We want that seat that, that, that uh, uh, brings these kind of blessings, but there's a different kind also. I can sit at the seat with the scornful. I, I, I can be strapped in and right there where they're at. I, I'm one of them now. It, it's not just taking their counsel. It's not just standing there talking to them and walking the way they are. I'm right there with them. I'm strapped in. I'm, I'm part of it now. So see how it, it progresses here? So when we think about our blessings, and, um, and I, I'm sure you have, just like I have. I've talked with different individuals who, who live seemingly by the fruits in which they produce ungodly lives and, and, and hear them talk about uh, uh, talking to God and how blessed they are. God's blessed them and the things in which they've done and, and, and how they talk about enjoying the blessings of God. But here, doesn't the psalmist say, if I'm blessed, I, I don't do those things. He wasn't going there for their advice. He wasn't going there to take their counsel and live their life. He was going there to get them back on the right path. Exactly. It's a, and then sometimes it is a, I don't want to say a fine line, because I think it is a, a definite line. But, you know, you think of the progression of how sin itself starts and how we get ourselves in situations, and, and I have, and I'm, I'm sure you have in, in different instances in your own way. Sometimes we think about, just in different areas of our life, how did this happen? How, how did I get to this point? And, and, and we get to that point before we really realize that that's what happened. I every time I think about this, I always think about being late for my curfew. I stayed grounded most of my teenage years, and it was for two reasons. One was being late, not being where I'm supposed to when I, when I said I was, or when I was told I should be, and the other one was my mouth. My mouth kept me in more trouble than, uh, uh, with my mom than anything else. You know, I just had to have the last word. Um, and she had the last movement, which kind of shut my last words up. But, uh, but I always remember, anytime I was, I always had an excuse. And, and my excuse was always, well, I couldn't, especially when I was driving, I couldn't get back to my car because I was with so-and-so and he didn't take me back when he said he was going to so I could get the car and come back. Or I didn't, you know, I'd always have something. And, and her, she never missed a beat. She always said, Why'd you, why were you in the car to start with? If you wasn't in the car, then you, you could have got to your car. You wouldn't have been late. Well, I'd say, I, well, I made this decision. And she said, that's right. You made the decision to do this, this, and this, which led to this. And, and she did that every single time. It'd make me so mad. I, I, I kept trying to say, let me just explain. And she'd always say the same thing. It doesn't matter what happened now. This is what the result is. Decisions you made at the beginning of the night is the reason this happened. And I, and I, I always try to remember that because when you think about it, it, it's the same thing. God's saying here, this progression, when, when you start doing this, you're going to end up here. 
Every single time. So we're going to end up in a situation where we're not blessed, where God's not blessing us because we're not living His way because we took counsel from the ungodly. We started standing in their paths, and now we've got a seat with them. We're, we're right there with them. It, it, it's just started progressing. As Jesus said, that path is that wide path. Now, as he goes on to verse 2 here, he says, But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. So he starts by saying, okay, here's what the blessed doesn't do. Now here's what they do. The first thing they do is um, he delights in the law of the Lord. Now, how many of us delight in laws in general? What does delight mean? Yeah, you take pleasure in it. Do you take pleasure with the laws that we have around our land? There's, there's you know... Huh? Yeah, I mean, I mean, we do. We we see the reason that they're there. They're they're for our safety. They're for our, our betterment. It doesn't mean, you know, that when we look at them, we we think all oh, Mac, but boy, I'm glad I have that. Especially when you're late to work. Are you glad there's 55 mile an hour speed limit law? <laughs> you know, or you, you know, we we start looking at it like that. So we don't delight in it when it's there, but we know the purpose of it. And, and the reason when we don't is because we want to do something different than what that law says. The law is there for our safety. It's there for a reason. But we have another agenda that sometimes conflicts it, so we don't have delight in it. But when it comes to, notice, he said, when it comes to the blessed, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. In other words, they take pleasure in the law of the Lord. So where do you think that person goes for their advice and their counsel? Law of God. Where does that person go to, you know, uh, start that progression of being blessed? You, you start down a different progression that ends up to a different place, and it starts with where you get your information. If I get my information from the ungodly, this is where I'm going to end up. If I delight and get my information from uh, uh, the Lord, then this is how I'm going to end up. See, inf information is everything, isn't it? I mean, we know that now more than anything in our country when you turn on the news. Depending on where you get your information depends on where you, you believe or stand, doesn't it? Because every time you change the channel, the information is different. You know, sometimes you just want to say, I, I just want the truth. No matter whether I like it, no matter whether I accept it, no, if, if you just quit telling me your opinions and just tell me the facts and the truth, then I'll be able to make a logical decision about what's going on. That's almost impossible to do today, isn't it? But when it comes to God's Word, I can make a logical decision. It may be the wrong decision, but at least I have the facts. And, and I may make a decision contrary to what it says, but I can't blame what the, the law of the Lord is, can I? I've made that decision on it. And see, that's, that's the great thing that God does. I have all the information, the correct information, the absolute truth information, and then I have to decide whether I'm going to follow it or not. So if I want to be blessed, I need to take pleasure in that that's what I want to hear, that's what I want to follow, and that's in the uh, law of the Lord. And, and when you see that type of thing, when you see that that is uh, part of it, and I think that's, that's the key to it. We have to take pleasure in that. When, when we read God's Word, how we accept it is how we perceive it as we're reading it. If I don't take pleasure in knowing what it says, 
Now, there's sometimes that it's hard to hear. You ever had somebody tell you the truth and it's hard to hear, but, but you knew it was the truth and you need, knew that that's what you needed to hear? Well, that's what God's Word does for us. That's what we need to take pleasure in because that's what's going to put us on the right path. Now, we're talking about our blessings. We're th- talking about uh, uh, counting our blessings and enjoying our blessings and recognizing our blessings. But before we can do that, we have to ask ourselves, am I blessed or not? Am I in a position to be? Am I on the right path to be? And so he's, as he says here, what we do do is delight in the law of the Lord and in his law he meditates day and night. So if I take pleasure in it, what am I going to do? Yeah, you're going to study. Now remember, the path of not being blessed is taking the counsel of what the ungodly says and walking the way that they are. Now, to be blessed, you're taking the counsel of the Lord. You delight in that. You take pleasure in that. And now you're walking in that direction because you're meditating on your word. You're spending time with it. Remember, it's the same thing, just the opposite. The, the, the blessed are going through the same process, or the, the, the ones that aren't blessed going through the same process just on the opposite end. Here, we meditate on God's word. We meditate day and night. Isn't that what the, uh, uh, Paul said in Philippians chapter 4, verse 8? Finally, my brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there's any virtue, if there's anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. What if we all truly did that? That all we thought about were these kind of things. We always thought about the good. We always thought about the, the noble. We always thought about that had good thoughts. Would that change our life at all? Yeah, it, it would, and it would make a more enjoyable life, wouldn't it? Now, does that mean bad things doesn't happen? Well, well, of course not. Does that mean bad things doesn't happen to us? Well, of course not. But how I perceive them, the things that I choose to think about, even during those things can determine whether I have a joyful life, a blessed life, and ultimately, as Burton says, that I get to heaven. Because it, it, it's my perception of, of how things are. Take, for example, uh, David and Goliath. When, when David came, came on the scene there, was bringing those provisions, and, and he came upon Saul's army, and he heard that giant come out and make... Uh, 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 that demand, you know, if you send somebody out, if you defeat me, then we'll serve you. If I defeat him, you'll serve us. And, and he defiled God's army over and over again. And, and it said, when it talked about Saul's army, it says basically that they were paralyzed with fear. Why were they so afraid? Yeah, I, I mean, you see this giant come out, and he's just huge. He's, he's a man of war even from his youth. I mean, he has all this, this armor on, this spear, this big helmet. He has all these things on, and they see him, and he just looks massive, and that's all that they can see. But David, on the other hand, sees something different. He still being, he wasn't some mighty man of war. Matter of fact, he couldn't even wear the armor that Saul gave him. But when he looked at, at, Saul, when he looked at the giant, I, I, I'm sure he looked at him and said, well, yeah, he's big, but he's got to be slow. I mean, that, that, that armor alone weighs, what was it, 250 pounds? The, the spearhead weighed 25 pounds, you know, that he had in his hand. So when he starts putting that all together, he's like, yeah, I'll take him. He's big, but he's slow. 
You know, and I've got God on my side. Because when I used to tend the sheep, remember, when the uh, lion would come and get the sheep, the bear would come and get the sheep, he said, the same God, the same God that delivered me from the bear, same God that delivered me from the lion, is the same God that's going to deliver me from this giant. So you think David meditated on these things, or did he meditate on that big giant that was fixing to squash him like a bug? See, it's all in perception, isn't it? It's all in what we think about. It's all in what our mindset is. So if we delight in the law of the Lord and we meditate on His Word, and all, His Word is all of these things. Now there's some hard things within His Word that we have to make sacrifices and things that we have to do, but the end result is for our good. So during that process, if we can meditate on these things, we'll be blessed, won't we? I mean, that's what the Bible is telling us. That, that's what we need to think about. That's how we need to do. Now, that's easy to stand up here and say. It's a lot harder to do when you're going through, through it, when, when you're facing things that come up. But if we're delighting in the law of the Lord and we're meditating on that, we're not taking counsel of the evil, we're not walking the way that they are, it's going to mean how we take these trials and troubles, we're going to take it a whole lot different than somebody else will because we live different lives. Because we know that this world is not all that there is. There may be heartache, there may be trials, there may be things that happen, but this world isn't all that there is. So we need to meditate on these good things. Now look at verse 3. It says, He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in its season, whose leaf also shall not wither, and whatever he does shall prosper. Now, when we are uh, not taking counsel of the ungodly, when we're meditating on God's word, then the psalmist tells us that we're like a tree that's planted by the streams of water. Now, what happens to a tree that's planted by a stream of water? What does it always have access to for its roots to grow? Moisture. It's always going to get its strength that it needs to be able to withstand as it's coming up out of the ground and standing firm of whatever comes. It's got what it needs. It has the provisions that it needs. Now, does that water keep the storm from coming? Does it keep the wind from blowing? Does it keep the sun from beating down on it? doesn't do any of that. It just gives it strength to withstand it while it's going through all of those things. So he tells us here, if we would do these things, then this is what we'll be like. And the Bible compares it to this a lot. Remember in Isaiah chapter 1, in verse 30, it says, For you shall be as a uh, terebinth, whose leaves fadeth, and as a garden that has no water. When he's talking about individuals of how they're going to be, of how weak they are, and the things in which they go through, he says, you're like dead leaves because you're in a garden that has no water. So how is, just take it for example, a tree that has no water, no moisture, the, 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 weed, the leaves are drying up, what's going to happen when the storm comes along for that tree? Yeah, it's going to break, bend, fall. Why? There's no strength to it. It's already weak. There, there, there's nothing to, to give it that strength to withstand. Now, now put it in the terms that we're thinking about here, especially as it says in verse 3. He's already told us how we get our strength in verse 2. 
In verse 2, he says, you get your strength by delighting in the law of the Lord and meditating on His Word. That's where your strength comes from. And if you do that, you're going to be like a tree planted by the water. You're going to have the strength that you need to get through these trials that are coming. Now, if we're taking the counsel of the ungodly, if we're walking in their ways, we're setting where they set, we, we become part of them, we're not going to have that strength. As a matter of fact, we're going to uh, be in trouble when those storms do come. In Jeremiah 17, Verses 7 and 8 says, Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, whose hope is the Lord. For he shall be like a tree planted by the waters, which spreads out its roots by the river, and will not fear when heat comes. But its leaves will be green, and will not be anxious in the year of drought, nor will cease from yielding fruit. See the difference? That tree's healthy. That tree doesn't fear the drought. That tree doesn't fear uh, what's coming. Its leaves isn't drying up. What is there to fear? Got all the strength that it needs because it has all the moisture that it needs so it can bear fruit. And, and that's the purpose, isn't it? What good's a tree that doesn't bear anything? Is it any good? It's not any good at all. Uh, in Proverbs chapter 12, verse 3, A man is not established by wickedness, but the root of the righteous cannot be moved. And that's what the psalmist is talking about, isn't it? You know, we're a tree that's planted by the waters. It, its roots are going to, you know, when you think about the strength of a tree, where is it at? It's in its roots, isn't it? it? It's how strong they grow and how deep they go and how healthy it is. That's what determines what comes up out of the ground and how strong it stays. And that's what he says here. A man is not established by wickedness, but the root of the righteous cannot uh, be moved. In Mark chapter 4, in verse 20, it says, But these are the ones sown on good ground, those who hear the word, accept it, bear fruit, some thirtyfold, some sixty, and some a hundred. Now the ones that fell on the good ground, of course the one that grows up, there are some that fell on rocky ground, some that couldn't take that root or got choked out. That's what taking the counsel of the ungodly does. Or we can delight and take pleasure in the law of the Lord and meditate on His word, it's like day and night of how we're going to survive. We're either going to be weak, we're going to be dried up, going to go to destruction, or we're going to have strong roots, we're going to be able to stand, be able to withstand whatever comes our way. Because we have what uh, uh, we need to strengthen us. But most importantly, we have what we need to bear fruit. Because if we don't bear fruit then we're not doing as he says. In John chapter uh, 15, in verse 2, Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away, and every branch that bears fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. Now notice, even though that tree uh, has the roots that it needs, it has the moisture that it needs, can there be a storm come and break off some of its limbs? And it seemed to look like it, it hurts it, but it's able to be able to grow back. Just like going out and pruning a tree. You know, you prune it for its health so it can produce what it needs to. And, and again, that doesn't mean, to me, it's, it's telling me that there's not always going to be good things that happen, but there's going to be things that happen that actually are for my benefit. Some of the greatest blessings that we get from God may be some, through some of the hardest trials that we go through. You know, and sometimes we do all we can to run from it, but sometimes 
That may be exactly what we need at the time. I think about some of the hard times that I've had in my life, and I look back, the result of them wasn't, going through it wasn't pleasant, but I learned a whole lot through it. Um, and I, I think I, I, I grew because of it. Um, and sometimes we don't like to think about it that way. But when it comes to our blessings, he starts off by saying, here's what you don't do, and here's what you do if you want to be blessed. Then he goes on and talks about the wicked in verse 4 of Psalms 1. He says, the ungodly are not so, but are like the chaff which the wind drives away. So the ungodly is not like the tree planted by the stream. The ungodly is like the chaff that uh, the wind blows away. Remember in uh, Matthew chapter 3, verse 12, it says his winnowing fan is in his hand and he will thoroughly clean out his threshing floor and gather his weed into the barn, but he will burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire. So what do I want to be referred to as? The chaff or what's being harvested? I don't want to be the chaff. Remember, we're in this discussion of, okay, I want to count my blessings. I want to enjoy my blessings. I want to say I have blessings, but I have to realize how am I actually living to receive those? It's either the ungodly way or the righteous way. Either the way that not to be blessed or the way to be blessed. And ultimately how we're going to be blessed is be saved eternity, uh, in eternity. I can't do that by taking counsel of the ungodly. I can't do that by uh, uh, walking in their ways. I can't do that by being involved and part of and accepting that way that leads me down that path. Because now he gets into saying, okay, if you do that, if you do all those things, yeah, you're going to end up with them, and here's where they're going to end up. He doesn't just say, okay, you're going to walk down there. That's where the popular people are. That's where the multitudes are. You choose to be over here with a few. No, he says, if you choose to be over here, here's what their end is. See, remember, the Bible tells us the truth. We have to make a decision. Here, here's one way, here's the other way. Now, here's what's going to happen uh, when it comes to uh, the wicked. Now, notice verse 5. He says, therefore, the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. So when we think about... Uh, their end of, of, of what's going to, to take place. I, I look at it as, and I think we all want to do this, uh, just like in Matthew chapter 7 when the individuals are pleading their case. You know, didn't we do this? Didn't we do that? Didn't we do this? There, there's no pleading. There, there, there's nothing to plead. God knows exactly what went on. God knows exactly what is taking place. So if we want to go down one road, he says, here's what the other one is. In Romans chapter 14 and verse 11, For it is written, as I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me and every tongue shall confess to God. But notice, when this scene takes place, remember what Matthew tells us it will be like? He says, all the nations will be gathered before him and he will separate them one from another. As a shepherd divides his sheep from the goats and he will set the sheep on the right hand but the goats on the left. So see, all through Scripture, there's this divide. And God is telling us, here's where one way leads, here's where the other way leads. When, even when we face God in judgment, you say, well, we're all facing God in judgment together. Yeah, we're all going to face it. We're all going to stand before God, but here's how it's going to happen. 
he's showing us if, if we want that narrow gate that leads to life everlasting, this is the life that we have to live. But another promise that he makes us, we can be blessed in this life. You know, we, we can have a wonderful life. What is it, John 10 and 10, I came to give you life and give it to you more abundantly. Well, of course, we're all expecting eternal life with him. But a Christian can live an abundant life, can't we? We can live a good life here. If we just will use the principles in which he shows us, in which he tells us, this is how we're to live. You know, if I would just think about more Philippians 4 and 8 and meditate on those things, that would solve probably half of the problems I go through in my life. Because half of them's right here. Half of them's right here, what I worry about, what I think about, what I'm anxious about, what uh, just consumes my thoughts of, of what's going to happen. And what's, you know, I can think of everything that's going to go wrong in a day before I ever step out of bed. And most of the time, what I think happens because I make it happen, because of how my attitude is. Oh, I'm going to have a bad day. Well, I start out having a bad day, because that's where my thought process is. And then that puts me in a, a certain mood, and that puts those around me in a certain mood, and that makes others think, I mean, it all transpires. And it is just like a domino effect. So if we would choose to do as the Bible tells us to do and what our thought process is, because our thought is what controls our actions, isn't it? That's what Jesus taught time and time again. When he says, you know, when he went through this whole list, you've heard it said this, and, and talking about how they twisted the law of Moses and how they come up with this. He said, if you just take care of what's in here, then that's going to take care of what's in the outside. He said, if you, you'll take care of something while it's a thought, it won't become an action. If you take care of that, you remember how sin uh, uh, develops, as James says, it starts on the inside, it starts from that desire, it starts from doing that, and then we can give in to it, it becomes sin, and sin, when it's full grown, it brings forth death. He says, what's that progression? You stop it back when it's here. It's like I've, I've heard that old preacher say years ago, you know, I can't stop a bird from flying over my head, but I can sure stop it from building a nest in my hair. And I've always thought about that. I thought, well, that's the silliest thing I ever heard. But it's true. I mean, there's a lot of times birds fly over I can't do a thing about. But I'm sure keep one from building Nelson in my hair. Can't you, Mike? I'm getting less and less for them to do it in. But in other words, there are certain things I am in control of. There are certain things that I can keep from happening. So what's, what's up to me, that's what I need to control. I need to quit worrying about what's out of my control and worry what is in my control and then what's in my control, I can actually help with those things that I think that's not. Because maybe I can help with the circumstances that are around me just by my attitude. And my attitude can determine my actions. And that can determine other people's also in, in a lot of different instances. But it all comes down to where do we want to be? You know, this time of year, we're thinking about our blessings. We, we're, we're thinking about being thankful. We're thinking about all these wonderful things. But do we truly have it the way that God wants us to? I'm not talking about health and wealth and prosperity and things. I'm talking about that true peace that surpasses all understanding to truly be blessed in whatever situation I find myself. And God has given us the instructions in which to do that. And a final reminder in verse 6. He says, for the Lord knows the ways of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. The way of the ungodly shall perish. So 
two things here. He says, I know the way of the righteous. So what does that tell me that God knows about me? If I'm living the way that he wants me to? Everything, doesn't he? When, when I, first thing I thought about when I, when I was reading this and thinking about it and studying about it was one of my favorite passages, and I, I think about it a lot, that Job said with the trouble that he went through. Remember what he said when he said, I, I, I go forward and I can't see God. I go back, I can't see him. I look on the left, I can't perceive him. I look on the right. All that that Job went through. You know what Job said? I don't see God in this. That had to be devastating. But he doesn't stop there. He goes on and he says, but he knows my every move. That, that's wonderful, I think. I think it's Job 23, down about verse 10 or so. He says, I, he knows my every move. And as he goes on and says, and he says, I will trust in his word like my necessary food. Job said, I may not can see God in this, but I know he's there. Because he knows everything that I'm going through and I'm going to trust him just like I need food to eat. In other words, Job said, I'm going to trust him with my very life. Now think about that. That can get us out of a, get us through a lot of things, can it? There's a lot of things that, that I question, how is this, how is God in this? Some decisions I make, I've, I've left God out of them. But if, I'm, if I want to be blessed and I'm, I'm taking his counsel, I'm living his ways, I'm meditating on his words, I'm going through this, even these tough times when, when it's hard to see him, I can be like Job and know he's there. Know he knows my every move. And so he says here, for the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly, they shall perish. So he tells us, here's these two paths. You want to be blessed or not? You want to know what the end result is for both places? Here's what it is. You make the choice. You choose which direction you want to go. You choose where you want to take your counsel from. You choose with a, uh, the way in which you want to go. You choose what you want to think about, what you want to meditate upon. You, you choose whether you want to be strong when you need to be strong or not. You say, well, how do I choose to be strong? Well, I choose to put myself in the place where I can be. And that's that tree that's planted by the water, right? So as we see here and think about our blessings, think about the things in which we um, go through. Um, we have to ask ourselves, just like we asked ourselves last several Wednesday nights, if God was to write us a letter, what would it say? Well, if we want to be blessed, how do we have to live to be blessed by God? What do we have to do? How do we have to live our lives? And I think he tells us uh, very plainly here. Any thoughts or comments? I, 
I mean, it is. And, and what did he realize at the end? Or he realized, but actually stated at the end, you meant it for my harm, but God meant it for my good. Um, you know, I often wonder, you know, at the very beginning, you know, I always think about with Joseph, you know, he went out and he tells them all this. I've often wondered, why did he need to tell them that? Was he pretty full of himself to say, ha ha, look how I am. You're going to bow to me one day. Maybe he needed to be brought down. To, he had to go through that to be what he needed to be, you know. Uh, I don't know. I don't, I don't know his mindset at that time. But, you know, there, there was reasons for that, you know. But... What the Lord told him to tell him? Okay. Okay, okay. Uh, and you think about during these, like with Joseph, with Paul being in prison, singing and praying, you know, you, you think about these different individuals, uh, how they get to that point. I think it's like Paul said, I've learned to be content in whatever situation I am. Well, how do you do that? I think it's what the psalmist says here. You, you, you live a certain way that, and, and you be blessed. That doesn't mean that you're going to feel happy all the time, but you know that there's something better. So you know whatever, it, what's the worst they can do is kill you? You know, what, really, what, what is the worst? I, I think that's why uh, Nebuchadnezzar's face changed when Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego told him that. He knew he'd lost. When they said, go ahead, throw us in fire furnace. It doesn't matter. We're still not going to serve you. How do you beat that? There, there's no way to overcome that. He, at that moment, he lost. Because if he didn't throw them in, think about it. If he didn't throw them in, God was still glorified because he listened to what they say. If he threw them in and God saved them, well, God's glorified because he saved them. If he threw them in and they burnt, God's still glorified because they died faithful. Either way, no matter what happened, what he did from that point on, God was still going to get the glory for it. And there's no, there was no way for him to win there. And, and I think that's what we have to think when we face trials. No one can take my salvation away from me except for me. No matter what somebody does, no matter what sickness comes my way, no matter what harm comes my way, no one can take that crown except me if I, if I choose not to follow him or not. And I think that's what uh, brings that, that satisfaction and that uh, essence of, of, of knowing that we're blessed. So I hope that we can count our blessings. I hope that we can uh, realize how truly blessed we are, but by living the way in which God wants us to.